Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. First off, let me just say this. I I love y'all. All right. I love you. But what I'm about to say today, um, it it if if I only spoke what Drake Nelson wanted to speak, I would do you all a, a huge disservice. And so today, there were things that may, um, I'll tell you what you won't be able to say at the end of the day. You will not be able to say, Drake Nelson got up there and just shared all of his opinion. No, that, that you can't, you won't, I'm just going to elevate this book this morning. And, and in, in so elevating, some things that are elevated may convict you. It, it may hurt. Um, and that's okay. That, that, sometimes that can be a good thing, okay? Another thing you will not be able to say after today is, well, I was, I, I, my mom, my, my dad was that way, and his dad was that way, and, and, and man, we, I, we've been that way as long as I could think. It's just the environment of which I was raised in. You won't be able to say that at the end of today either. Because God is going to hold us all accountable this morning. And He is going to want to try to open all of our hearts. Alright. And so, the, the, the offensive things that could possibly be offend people, it's coming up. So, huh. buckle up and um, get ready, I guess. I don't know. But coming off of today, 9-11, you look at the attacks and everything that happened, and, and what was the spur-driving force behind such violence? And I would say that it was just to come out and say it, the heart of it, I believe, would be racism. Is that people not understanding Americans like, no, we're coming against you. And the world, the United States, looks at Mississippi as being one of the most um, race-filled places um, in America. Now, I would disagree with that. In fact, Mississippi... People would disagree in that. In a poll that was taken, there are more people in Mississippi than any other state by proxy that said, actually, I believe that we are the least, we have the least race problems. And why is that? A lot of times it's because um, we are about... 60-40 in our 
percentage white to black. And normally that actually helps integrate people so they get to know each other and that helps with conflict. And so I would say actually the, the, what the, the thought around the nation would be wrong, but, but let's take, I want to take Yazoo County for just one moment where we live at today. And, and, and what I want to do is I want to ask, okay, what, what, where are we living and what is it like where we are living and then what does God's Word have to say about that? And on paper, I looked at the 2021 um, uh, 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 census report that you can read all the demographics of people. And what I read is that actually it's pretty, it's pretty similar. Um, Yazoo County, it's about 60-40. Um, 60% um, being African-American um, brothers and sisters, about 40% being white brothers and sisters in Yazoo County. And so it looks like, at least from paper, that we would be um, in tank, like, integrated well. But if you look a little bit deeper into it, you actually see something very different. What you see is pockets of people um, throughout the county. Give you one just example. Yazoo City. Um, in Yazoo City alone, you have 91% um, African American, you have 7% uh, white, and, and you have 2% other. So it may be just a different race. And what I've read and studied throughout the past 20 years, specifically from 2000 to 2010, you had a lot of white families in Yazoo, in Yazoo City that moved out to places a little bit more rural, i.e., for example, Vaughn, Benton. Whereas in Yazoo City, it may be 91% to 70%, 7%, but in uh, the research that I did, only in Vaughn and Benton, just would be an example, 78% white among 22% African American. And so you see it switch. Okay, so let's just back up from that, and, and let's look at what typically happens, okay? Let's just look at what typically happens. Typically, you have many um, African-American um, students, kids, children, who most of the time would go to public schools. City, um, Yazoo County, Linwood would be an example. And a lot of times, white families typically go where? I mean, I, I, I know I'm offending a lot of people right now, and that's okay, but I'm just trying to speak the truth. I, I do believe this is what happens. Goes to Manchester, Benton. And so somewhat, even without our, our knowledge of it, what happens is we can be up until 18 years old, 19 years old, and we may have never had a, 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 uh, an encounter, maybe even a good encounter with someone of the opposite race than we are. And so what has happened? What, 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 what is going on? Here's what's going on. Is that it's a lot of unfamiliarity with each other. 
And in every study, this is worldwide, in every category, every circumstance worldwide, the number one cause of fear, do you know what it is? The number one cause of fear is uncertainty. And the byproduct of uncertainty, what is it? It is retaliation. So that's what you saw on 9-11. And it could be that that is what we see happen a lot of times in Yazoo County. Let me just give you one um, or, or a couple of examples that I've seen, okay? Um, are you sweating? Is anybody sweating? Just, just me. All right, I'm going to preach right here the rest of the day. Um, one of my great, um, one of my good friends, um, African-American brother of mine, um, went to play golf um, in, in Yazoo County. Um, just one example of a golf course around. Um, wasn't able to play because of um, the color of his skin. Um, just the other night, um, I do want to say this was not in Yazoo County. This was in Madison County where this happened. But running the change on the sideline and um, heard referees uh, the best way to say it is slurs, very many slurs to uh, uh, a, a team of a different race um, out there. And I'm like, you're supposed to be calling the game. Um, basketball games that I've been to at, at Benton Academy uh, where not nice things were said um, of people of, of, of a different race um, using the N-word and the would be the least what happened, and it was... Um, when I was back in school, they didn't allow blah, blah, blah. Um, one of my good friends, actually, in Yazoo City, had um, the N-word keyed into his car. I'm just trying to give examples of, I think there is some unfamiliarness. I think, there, I think there's something that may be going on in our county, and I just want to talk about it. And all I want this morning, and I think all that Christ wants this morning, is for us to, to just to step back for a moment and ask Christ, God, is there anything in me, is there any offensive way in me that I need to bring before you today? And, and that, that's all we want to do. Okay, so enough of that. Let's get into specifically what this book says, because that's all we want to do. So let's pray, and then we'll get into our sermon today. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Um, God, we love you. We thank you. God, I pray that you would speak. Speak through me. Um, God, let us, let, us, let us take in what you have to say. Um, God, we love you. We thank you um, for everything that you've given us. Thank you for your son um, who's died on the cross for all of us. Uh, in your name I pray. Amen and amen. So this weekend, I was uh, at Birmingham, and we were going to shop in Costco. And I learned, by the way, guys, you take this into consideration. When your wife buys you something, if you want brownie points, you put it on right there. Like, you wear it, thank you so much, and you, and you say, oh, thank you. So, oh, man, I'm, I'm so glad. And so that's what I did. Kat bought me this shirt. So Saturday, yes, all right. We got some Auburn fans in the house. So I'm like, hey, thank you so much for the shirt, babe. Well, 
I, I don't even, I, I don't realize what's happening, but I'm walking around, Miss Diane, and people are screaming at me. They are yelling, and I'm, I'm so confused. Here's what they are yelling. I'm walking around, and someone just says, War Eagle! And I'm like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, you're alive, you know? I'm walking, and it keeps happening. So eventually, someone stops me in the parking lot and says, Sir, when someone says War Eagle, you're, you have to respond. And so I do. Next person says, War Eagle. And I say, thank you. (laughs) To which my beautiful wife said, honey, you're supposed to say War Eagle back. Like, fine. And so I'm thinking the next person to say War Eagle, I'm going to say it back. And I walked in. (laughs) Oh, Lord. We were running all kind of errands, and so I'm walking in. And the next person, I'm like, next person to say War Eagle, I'm about to say it back. And I get, somebody's walking, and I hear it, and it's coming. I'm ready to say it back. And they say, Roll Tide. And I'm like, oh, Lord. War Eagle, I guess. I don't know what to say now. I just like left. I say, Cat, I've never, this is so hard just to wear a shirt. I don't know. But my, but my outward appearance, what I had on, was causing emotion to rise. Whether it be good, oh yeah, War Eagle, or whether it be bad, oh, roll tide, you know. It was causing emotion to rise in other people. And so is that a good thing, or is that a bad thing? And Scripture is going to speak to this, Okay. Scripture's going to speak to this. In Mark, there went all my notes. Okay, that's great. All right. In Mark chapter 5, it starts off, and it says this, a crowd, in verse 15, a crowd, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And what? And they were afraid. They were, uh, uh, they were afraid? Are you serious? But guess what? They had good reason to be afraid. If you read right before, it says, look, this man, this one that, was, that, that everybody was afraid of, this man lived in burial caves. He could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped them and smashed the shackles. No one or nothing was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered around the burial caves, and in the hills, he would howl. He would cut himself with sharp stones. If I saw this dude walking around, y'all, I would be scared too. And so could you imagine why the people are afraid? They see him sitting there, and they're like, oh my goodness, you're, you're the guy that was cutting himself? You're the guy that was walking around? And what? His outward appearance caused people to be, to, 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 to be afraid. It's like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And they knew who this guy was. And so what happened? So what happened? Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, begged to go with him. But Jesus said, No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the Decapolis or the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great news that Jesus had done for him. Everyone was amazed at what he told them. So in this story, what you see 
is that the people were afraid. Why? Because of what the man looked like. But the man had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus changed the man not from the outside but from the inside. And that is exactly how we have to view other men, other women. Hey, when we are walking, what is God doing on the inside of you? Is God taking you from death to life? Is God transforming you like he transformed this man? See, if I'm really honest in the story, what was so what what really terrified people wasn't necessarily what the man looked like. It was that while he was sitting there, he was fully clothed. He was in his right mind. He was normal. And the people saw that and they said, you're not supposed to be normal. You're not supposed to be sane. You're not supposed to look how you're looking. Oh, man. And so they were afraid. And people who, who don't, who don't who are not Christians, who don't have Christ living inside them, when God transforms someone, it can often appall them. It can often scare them. It can say, hey, you are this, but now you're that. What is Christ doing on the inside? That can scare some people. But as Christians, we should say, hey, look, that is somebody going from death to life. That is an inward transformation. We should welcome that. I'll tell you one more example that we can see in the Bible is, is a guy by the name of, of, of Saul. And Saul just had one of these uh, baptism moments that, 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 that um, Ray had last week. He had just gone from death alive. And so what happens? It says this, When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with all the believers. Hey, everybody! But they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he had truly become a believer. And could you blame them? I mean, right before it says this, it says that he, being Saul, he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So you can understand why everybody was afraid of this guy named Saul. But what happened in the story? What happened in the story is that God spoke to a man. And he says, Ananias, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Saul. But here's what Ananias explained. He said, but Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And so the Lord, the Lord spoke to Saul, spoke to Paul, and in so doing, he said, Ananias, Ananias, I know he used to be this, but now he's that. And in our encounters with people, we may feel afraid. I'll give you an example. If Kat is sitting pumping gas at night, and as she's pumping gas, 45, 47, 55, 85, 105, thank you, I'm glad to be alive, still pumping gas, though, probably about to, to die from the price, you know. And somebody pulls up, oh, the gas price is going down, that's awesome. Anyways, um, somebody pulls up in like an like a, like a, like a old 
white van and they pull up and they get out and they, you know, maybe it's 10 o'clock at night and they start walking up to Cat. What is she going to do? Is she going to be kind of afraid? She's probably going to go, lock, you know, lock in this car. So what does the Bible say about that? It says that it's natural to feel a type of way. But what it does say is it says, hey, look, what we should do in encounters is look on the inside of people. What is Christ trying to do? What has he done? And listen to Christ like Ananias did. Hey, there are times in your life where you will be walking and God will say, hey, look, I want you to go minister to that person. I want you to help this person. And we are to listen in those moments. We are to listen in those moments. Listen to the Spirit. And the Spirit may tell you something like He told Saul. He said, Saul, people trying to kill you, get out of there. And so they lowered him down from the wall in the basket. Hey, and then he ran off. But listen to the Spirit of God. Number two, um, Christ judges us by our character and our conduct, not off of the color of our skin. I didn't think I would have an amen um, from, from, from this. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, but, but here's what we got. Um, does, anybody would lo- was, does anybody want a present? I got a present. I brought an early Christmas present, early, 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 um, for anybody who wants one. Um, I'm going to go with Kyle. Kyle, you want a Christmas present, bud? Okay, or it's just a present, actually. Yeah, come, come, come here, Kyle. Um, I got to something. Um, it's like, what's going on? Yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. I had to, had to find it. Okay, Kyle. So, um, do you like guns? I thought you liked guns. Okay, that's good. That's why I brought you up here. All right. Kyle, you can have this Nerf gun or this pink pouch. Which one you want? Thank God. All right, take it. Well, I'll tell you what. You, you just, I, I'll keep it up here, and then you can get it after the sermon. How does that sound? That sounds okay? All right, you get, get after the sermon, whenever it's done, you come get this. All right, everybody give it up for Kyle. Everybody give it up for Kyle. I was so glad he did not pick this. Like, Cat would have not let me live down. Um, like, there's a ring in there. Okay, so what's the point? The point is this, is that sometimes... Um, it's human tendency to kind of to look at the outside. But Christ knows what is going on on the inside of every human being. You, I, all of us. And he judges us based off of our character and our conduct. I'll show you this in Scripture. It happens when Samuel comes up and he's trying to find the next king of Israel and so when he arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab. Now, Eliab was a handsome young guy. And when he saw Eliab, he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said, Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at what's going on in here. And we should do the same. We should do the same. Now, 
here's the funny part, is that I bet that everybody in this room would agrees with that. Amen. Like, come on. Like, I, I, I don't judge people by the color of their skin or what they look like. I judge people always on the conduct of their character and who they are. And we would all say yes to that. I, I really do think that most everybody in the room would say, you're exactly right. But in practice, the problem with that is that we don't get to know people well enough to know the conduct of their character. There, that's, that's the problem. And so I'll give you a great example. So when uh, Mr. Steve Earle does come in and speak at church, it's, it's like, oh, Lord. And then he speaks and like, brother, you can go back anytime you want to, Mr. Steve. Because why? We got to know his character and we love him and his conduct. And it draws us in. But what does it take to get to know Somebody. So is the answer that we force integrate? Is the answer, is what we're asking, that I call the pastor at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church right down the road, um, some of our um, African-American brothers and sisters, and say, hey, look, y- next Sunday, we're coming to y'all. Sunday after that, y'all come and do worship with us. Next Sunday, we'll go, who, who knows where, we'll find somewhere to go. And is that the answer? And if it's not, then what is the answer? And, and wouldn't it be so cool if Scripture had the answer for us? That would be amazing. Well, guess, it it, it has the answer for us. And it comes to us in Luke chapter 10. And so if you have your Bibles and you want to get them out, Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, here's what it says. It says, One day, an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him the question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? How do you interpret it? Now the man may have had bad morals in trying to trap Jesus in bad motive, but at least he asked Jesus. Thank goodness he said, God, what do you say? But the man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this, and you will live. But the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And then who is my neighbor? So Jesus replied with the story. He replied with a parable. And here's what he's going to say. He said, A Jewish man. He was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he got attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. They left him there half dead beside the road. But by chance, thank the Lord, a priest came along. Lord, he's about to be saved now. 
He done got jugged. He done got robbed. He done got beat up. He's on the side of the road. But thank the Lord that somebody who represents God, who represents His hands and His feet, is coming along. They're surely going to help Him. They're surely going to nurse Him back to health. But in the story, what happens? When he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side and passed him by. And woe to us, church. Woe to us if when we see someone who is in need, if we don't be the arms and the feet and the mouth and the body of Jesus Christ. Hello, church is not for those who have everything together. No, church is for those who need God, who call on God, who don't have everything together, who say, oh, look, I don't know what else to do, where else to turn, but I know that I need Christ. If church becomes about anything else, we are missing the point. And the God representing Christ just, just passed him by. But it gets worse. A temple assistant walked over and he had the gall, the audacity to just you doing all right? That's a big gash. I'll pray for you. He walked over and looked at the man lying there. But he also said, But then, my version says they despised Samaritan. Came alone, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to help the Samaritan, he soothed his wounds with olive oil and with wine, and he bandaged them up. And then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to and in where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins to take care of him. If the man's bill runs any higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now, which of these men, these three, would you say Jesus is asking the religious man now acted as a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? And so I want to ask again, what should we do? What should we do? And the answer is as we are walking, as we are living our life, have the eyes to see. Have the compassion to see. Ask Christ, God, would you please speak to me? And when we see someone who is in need, hey, by God, let's help them. By God, let's give them a hand. Let's not kick them when they're down. Hey, come. Hey, come to church, man. Look, things are popping at BJBC. You want to come here? Hey, I got some food. I got some drink. Do you need, you need somebody to cut your grass? I'll cut your grass. You need somebody to just give you some good advice? I'll give you advice. You need somebody to be your friend? I'll be your friend. You need someone to listen? You know how many people feel unlistened to in 2022? Everybody? You need somebody to listen to you? I'll listen. You need somebody to be a mentor, a disciple. 
You need somebody to give you a ride to church? Sign me up. I'll be the first one in church. Here's how we love those who maybe don't look like us or don't act like us. Here's how we love those who we may not even recognize that we should love them. Here's how we do it. We do it by living life in such a way we have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts of compassion and say, I'm going to seek and to save those who are lost. And what does Jesus say at the end of his parable? He says this, Then Jesus said to the man, Yes, now you go and you do the same. Church, this is our job. This is our job. This is your job for us to reach and to seek. And to see those who Christ may be trying to transform from the inside out. Those who have gone from death to life. Those who are hurting. And so, where we're going to end today is the simple question. Let's search our hearts, church. Let's search our hearts. I've had to search mine this week. And I did not find the answer to be no. To the question, is there anything in me who doesn't like another individual? Didn't And honestly, the answer wasn't even yes. The answer was, how could there not be? And so right now, let's just pray, God, if there's anything in us that you want to get out, seeds of bitterness, seeds of anger, I pray that you would do the work right now, God. God, and I pray that we would be the arms and the feet of, of you. That when we live life, that we would listen to your call. We would hear it whenever you are leading us. God, and we will see people for what you're doing on the inside of them, not for what the outside of them looks like. God, and we love you and we thank you for everything that you've given us. God, please help us to be your church, your bride, your hands, your feet, your mouth. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen and amen.